Hello and welcome to episode 243 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. It's a beautiful day. It is the first AFC team-by-team podcast of the 2021 season. Evan, how's it going? It's going well. Ready to get into it. On this podcast each week, we're going to look back at each team's previous game, talk about a lot of the usage stuff that we saw our biggest fantasy takeaways this week. There's no games to look back on, no usage to discuss. So we are going to give our biggest takeaway, what we learned in camp slash preseason for we ahead of week one. Before we get into that, two things. First, the in-season package is live. We're not going to talk any DFS on this show. We're not going to look ahead too much. We will do that on Friday night with Wiggins. Evan is doing that in his column, which is up right now. As games go up, they are up on the site. We, of course, have our projections up as well and everything else on the in-season package. Be sure that you get that. Second, with week one gloriously here, we have a new sponsor for the ETR podcast. It is prizepicks.com. If you love player props, Like I do, you need to check out Prize Picks. It's essentially a DFS platform that specializes in player props. A couple of things that set them apart. I mean, the menu is absolutely massive and they have every sport. Like they're trying to book props on CSGO and all these other crazy sports on top of having a huge NFL menu and they're posting their NFL menu Monday and Tuesday. Most of the other books will not have their props up until Thursday and Friday, obviously earlier in the week to get to this stuff, the better. If you're a subscriber, we are posting a table each week to compare our projections to prize picks, prop lines to give you a sense of where we stand on their props. If you want to give them a try this week, they have a 100% instant sign up, instant deposit bonus if you use promo code ETR. They also have some ridiculous can't lose lines for anyone who makes a deposit now using promo code ETR or the link in the show notes. Again, promo code ETR at prizepicks.com for the instant deposit bonus and the best deal. All right, Evan, let's get into it with the AFC. We have not spoken since Justice Hill's injury, and I don't think this had a big impact on the Baltimore Ravens because Justice Hill had, even before his injury, it looked like he had lost the number two job to Tyson Williams, who we discussed last week. But now they're like in desperation mode. They're working out Le'Veon Bell and Devontae Freeman. I think they're going to give Tyson Williams a legit chance, no matter who they sign, Mm -hmm. to be the number two guy. But it can't be a bad thing for Tyson. It can't be a bad thing for Gus Edwards. What do you think about the fallout from Justice Hill's injury now? And the Ravens are going into week one pretty banged up on offense. Yeah, not a not a huge fallout. I mean, Tyson Williams is interesting. This this guy, like, you know, we talked about his size speed combination. Um, and then, you know, the Ravens, like they've led the NFL in point differential each of the past two years. They're going to play with the lead a lot. And, you know, they're going to be in run-friendly situations. That's why Gus Edwards, like, you know, I, I understand people being pretty excited about Gus Edwards right now. He, he's going to have games where he can get a lot of carries. And then they're going to bring in Tyson Williams. And, I mean, like, just for instance, in this Raiders, in this game against the Raiders on, I think it's Sunday night. Um, Monday, I think, yeah. Monday, yeah, Monday night. Yeah. Um, like, Tyson Williams could absolutely come in the third and fourth quarter and get, like, 11, 12, 13 carries and just rip it up, mm-hmm. you know. And there's going to be games like that all season because this is a this is a very strong football team. I mean, their secondary is so loaded. They were trading guys out of their secondary to other secondary needy teams, which there mm-hmm. are a lot of throughout the NFL. The Ravens are not among them. 
Um, you know, they, they're really smart with their blitz. Uh, their, their offensive line looks good. They added Kevin Zeitler to it. They're getting back Ronnie Stanley. You know, th this team, they're, they're really sharp. They make plus EV decisions in front as a coaching staff. Um, Tyson Williams, I mean, this is a really, really good spot for him. And then if something happens to Gus Edwards, like, look out, he could, he could absolutely explode. He's, you know, he, he, he started to move up to like 11th, 12th round. But, man, I mean, I think that he probably belongs in the eighth or ninth at this point. Okay. Yeah, that sounds a little aggressive for me, but I do like him. I mean, shout out team preseason. One of the Ravens that I wanted to make, they gave Mark Andrews a big-time contract today. Big-time yep. contract for Mark Andrews. We know he didn't play well last year. We know he's been banged up a lot. But I think the Ravens, who, as Evan said, one of the sharpest teams in the NFL, I think, as Evan said on Twitter, if the Ravens are willing to bet big, on this guy, I think that we can be confident in the way he's going to be mm -hmm. used and his health also. So I thought that was a good sign for Mark Andrews. Yeah, no Rashad Bateman indefinitely. I mean, it still sounds like he's out until at, you know the end of September at best, probably mm -hmm. early October. Marquise Brown is back, but he did miss a ton of camp. I mean, I think Mark Andrews is going to be the focal point of this passing offense. Buffalo Bills, I mean, what I learned is that what we saw in the second half of last year and into the playoffs – in terms of their pass rate over expectation is going to continue. I mean, you saw it in the preseason. They come out, oh, we'll play Josh Allen in the preseason, you know, maybe 18 snaps or so. He, they call 17 pass plays for the dude. I mean, they're just going to come out absolutely firing once again. And we're, we added ceiling projections to the projections this year. And Josh Allen is like breaking Leone's soulless spreadsheet version spreadsheets because his dot is so deep and their pass rate is so high. Like, how can you even account for a ceiling when the guy is chucking it deep and they're throwing on every play? I mean, his ceiling is absolutely through the roof. So the takeaway for me on the Bills is they're going to play like Twitter, analytics Twitter wants teams to play. Chuck it deep constantly every time. I'm really excited to watch the Bills just like I was last year. What'd you see out of Buffalo? And Josh Allen could run for 700 yards and 10 touchdowns. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I guess Leone and I are in lockstep again here that he should be the QB1. I don't know about that, but in ceiling, uh, definitely. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're, okay. we're playing to win. We're playing for first here. So, <laughs> um, uh, now I think it was kind of interesting that Devin Singletary, I mean, I think he's kind of clearly out in front of Zach Moss at this point, based on preseason camp, beat writer indications, the final depth chart, everything. Um, but the problem is that, again, they're going to pass so much, and, they, and Josh Allen is a stud at the goal line. So mm -hmm. really, I mean, a, a lot of empty uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm willing to take Devin Singletary, you know, late in drafts is like, you know, if I'm trying to patch together my RB2 situation, um, you know, if I went um, hero RB or anchor RB or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, is there any real upside here? Yeah, you know, is he going to be scoring touchdowns? Is he really going to be catching many passes? Yeah, it's 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 a tough avenue for him to have a ceiling. For sure. Cincinnati Bengals. I can't believe this stuff on Jamar Chase, man. And maybe I'm just like, no. as someone who really liked Jamar Chase, maybe I'm just in denial. Dude, at 19 years old in the SEC as a true sophomore, 85 catches, like 1,900 yards, 20 touchdowns, and now he gets to the Bengals. I mean, and that was going against legit, like first round NFL corners. Like he wasn't picking on like Coastal Carolina or whatever. And now he gets to the Bengals. He forgot how to play football. I find that really hard to believe, but... I'm scared a little bit, man. Like, Jamar Chase is very cheap in week one. I'm scared he might rotate a little bit with Auden Tate. And, like, we're trying to factor that into projections. Mm -hmm. But to me, what I learned in camp is that everybody's giving up on Jamar Chase. Dude hasn't even played an NFL snap yet. 
So I don't know, man. I'm still in on him. I've been buying the dip. You can get him now in like seventh or eighth round. People are so scared of Jamar Chase. That's my takeaway on the Bengals. Anything on them? Yeah, I'm buying the dip too. Um, but I do think that he is at obvious danger, at obvious risk of starting slow. Nate Tyson, Robert Mays have a great, great. It's a, it's really just a straight football. It's not a fantasy show. Uh, but on the Athletic, they do a podcast and or they they've been doing. Um, Uh, division previews and when they were talking about the Bengals Nate Tice who played he's uh, Mike Tice's son he played at Wisconsin with like Russell Wilson and J.J. Watt in that era Um, so I mean he he knows a lot about the game and uh, and he's also worked as a coaching uh, as like an offensive analyst I believe Um, but he was talking about how he had some concerns about Jamar Chase from his tape that the way that Jamar Chase won in college, he was like a bully. Uh, you know, people would compare him to Anquan Bolden. But he's, you know, Anquan Bolden and Des Bryant, those guys were 230 pounds. You know, Jamar Chase is 6'1", 205. Um, and he wasn't a big separator in college. And, you know, the Bengals beat writers have noticed the same thing about him, that he struggled to separate. It's not just the drops. You know, he just hasn't looked dynamic, is what uh, Paul Diener, the, the, uh, the athletic uh, beat writer, uh, mm-hmm. was writing today. So, I mean, I, I look, I think he's going to he's going to come around, but I think it's going to take some time. And I think the Bengals offense as a whole is going to take some time because this offensive line, you know, Jackson Carmen, who we talked about uh, on the brand on uh, with Brandon Thorne, their second round pick. He, he showed up out of shape to training camp and then did not win a starting job. Yeah, I mean, that's your second round pick on a bad offensive line. That's really disappointing. Man, um, if Penny Sewell, got, yeah. I was just going to say, if Penny Sewell turns out to be really good and Jamar Chase is a bust and Jackson Carmen's a bust, I mean, that's going to go down as like a historically bad pick. Yeah, right. Um, and now they got to deal with this Vikings defensive line, which is loaded yeah. in week one. The Bears, the strength of their team is their, their defensive front. Um, and then uh, in week three, they got to go up against the Steelers. So I... Look, man, I, I think they're going to get it together because the, the schedule does open up a lot after that, but I think it's going to take some time. Yep. All right. Browns, takeaway for me, man. Odell is back, baby. And, you know, people who have been listening for the last five, six years know I've had my struggles with Odell, but now, you know, the opportunity cost in Odell was sixth, seventh round. I mean, and Odell is in a situation where they're going to play a lot of two Wide receiver sets, his targets per route run, I think should be good. Beat writers are just absolutely raving about the way Odell looked coming off of the ACL. I think the Browns are going to be really good this year. I have bets on Browns to win the AFC North. I have bets on Browns to make the playoffs. Browns over win total. I think the Browns are going to be very, very good this year. And I think Odell will be a pretty big part of it. Anything on the Browns from you, Evan? No, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. No. Okay. Denver Broncos. You know, takeaway for me was that Javante Williams is ready. Like in the final preseason game, they rested Javante Williams and made Melvin Gordon play. Um, I don't think that means that Javante is going to open the season ahead of Melvin Gordon, but I think at worst, Javante is going to get, you know, 10, 12 touches right out of the gate. And before too long, I think Javante will be ahead of Melvin Gordon. I think that's exciting for this offense and this team, which I like a lot of their players, man. I like Judy. I'm fine with Sutton. I like Noah Fant. I like Javante Williams. I like KJ Hamler. Like I like a lot of their pieces. Obviously quarterback play is going to be a question with Teddy, but I like a lot of their pieces. I think they're set up 
to be better than people think, at least on offense, what you see out of the Broncos? Well, Cecil Lamy, who covers the Broncos for um, a radio station in Denver, and he's out of practice most days. Uh, I was listening to him talk about Cortland Sutton, and he said that in, in training camp, like Cortland Sutton has not been making plays off of his feet, like, you know, going up and, and getting the football. And that's a huge part of his game. And so he is still, you know, kind of in, in this mode where a lot of guys are coming off multiple knee ligament tears, you know, struggling to get his confidence back. He's also a player that is in a contract year, and we really have not heard them talk about giving him an extension. Uh, and they've got, I mean, they've got Noah Fant, they've got Jerry Judy, they've got KJ Hamler. I kind of wonder if Cortland Sutton is kind of trending to be the odd man out in Denver. Yep. Let's go to the Houston Texans. I mean, I don't know what to say beyond this is a stone cold expansion team. I mean, people think the Lions are bad. I think the Lions would just whoop the Texans. I mean, just just whoop the Texans. And I don't even know if they play this year or not. But, you know, uh, talent at the skill position is obviously a disaster. Talent on offensive line is bottom three. Talent on pass rush is bottom three. I mean, they're just an absolute mess. And I actually, I know you can make all kinds of volume arguments for Brandon Cooks, you know. I just think the offense is going to be so decrepit that it's tough for me to even get excited about Brandon Cooks as in a seventh, eighth round pick. So I haven't really been taking him. Any takeaways for you on the Texans? No, I mean, I agree with all that. They're also going to be without Bradley Roby in week one, you know, their best cornerback. Mm-hmm. So uh, no, they, they are absolutely awful. Do you think that, uh, let's get it started. Do you think that Alabama could beat the Houston Texans? <laughs> uh, my answer to those questions are always no, but this may be the only. This might be yeah, the best right? chance. This might be the best chance. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, also speaking of best chance, the Texans host the Jaguars in Week One. This might be one of their best chances to win a game all year. Yeah. And and I mean, definitely, yeah. Colts. It's going to be a problem though when they only score like a you know seven points. I mean. Yeah. Oh, I also they, the Texans team total was 20 and a half. We shouldn't we shouldn't get into it. Let's let's move on to the Colts. <laughs> yes, that gives me a good chance to plug our new betting show there on Thursday. Evan and I will be on YouTube for free messing around, talking about sports. Again, it's free. We're certainly not professional sports bettors. We're fantasy players, but we're going to get on and talk about sports betting on YouTube on Thursday. I believe it'll be around noon Eastern. Uh, I'm sorry, 2 p.m. Eastern. So go ahead and, and go down the YouTube page. Be sure to subscribe there. It's free. Uh, Indianapolis Colts. There's a lot on Michael Pittman. I mean, if this offense is going to do anything, there's a lot on Michael Pittman because I'm not sure what how much Paris Campbell can give them, although I like Paris Campbell. I know Zach Pascal can't give them a ton. T.Y. Hilton might be out for the entire year. There's going to be a lot on Michael Pittman out of the gate. Also, I think they have big plans for Naheem Hines. And, you know, you get into that spot in the draft where you need, in mm-hmm. full PPR, where you need someone like James White or Gio Bernard or Naheem Hines. I might like Naheem Hines best out of those guys. What do you think about the Colts coming out of preseason? Yeah, I mean, I think you covered it. I think that Carson Wentz, and it looks like he's, I don't know, 80% to start week one oh, at this point? I think like 95, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, that's really good news for Michael Pitt when we've talked about it. I think that their games mesh really well. Yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean... I, what I learned in the preseason and really throughout the whole process is Urban Meyer might just be like, I don't know, man. Like, what is this dude thinking? Like, he just keeps signing and talking up Ohio State players. He's talking about, you know, he wanted Kadarius <laughs> Tony. You know, he loses Travis Etienne. And now I, 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 I like Trevor Lawrence 
and Chenault and DJ Chark and Marvin Jones. I'm just worried Urban is going to mess this whole thing up. And maybe mm-hmm. Daryl Bevel will come in and, and do some maybe sharper things, but I'm worried that Urban is going to mess this thing up. That's my takeaway from the preseason. What do you take away from the Jaguars preseason? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I, I could not agree more that like from a per, you know personnel decision-making standpoint, like Urban Meyer, it's it's been bad. You know, and Trent Balky too. I mean, God, he was awful in San Francisco. I mean, they hate him in San Francisco. He's the new GM. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, Urban Meyer also has had success wherever he's gone. I know it was all in college, but you know, he did, he built some great offenses, you know, was very innovative. So I'm trying to stay optimistic. I mean, I just think that tra- at the end of the day, like Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to uplift his teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's got some interesting teammates, you know, I, I, and, and you know, all five offensive line starters are back. I'm, I'm on the optimistic side. With the Jags, offense. yeah, I mean, we've we talked early in the process about being high on DJ Chark, then we got really low on DJ Chark, mm-hmm. and now after they cut Colin Johnson, mm-hmm. which we didn't mention by the way, but but yeah, Colin Johnson was just cut. I mean, finger looks good for DJ Chark, and so his main competition right now is going to be like dudes off the street, basically Devin Smith, and and they signed Tyron Johnson, who mm-hmm. the Chargers waived, you know, and and so there's not a lot of competition for DJ Chark's role right now. I do have a bunch of mm-hmm. unders bets on DJ Chark, but. You know, I can see paths to going over now. I'm just not sure that he's definitely ahead of LaVisca or Marvin Jones. In fact, I would probably argue that yeah. he's not. I, yeah, I'm with you. Kansas City Chiefs. I think based on reading and thinking about what they're going to do, we're going to see a lot more two tight end sets from the Chiefs this year than maybe we're used to with Noah Gray. They have Blake Bell. They have a bunch of tight ends now that they're way deeper the position than they were before. And they're kind of thin at wide receiver, especially if you only consider Miko Hartman kind of a, a part-time uh, player in three wide receiver sets only. So I know we've talked about Miko a ton on this show. I'm still optimistic on Miko. I just think that in light and likeliest in two wide receiver sets, it's going to be Demarcus Robinson with some rotation in of Miko Hardman, but we'll see. But yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more two tight end sets than maybe people realize anything for you on the Chiefs. Um, no, they, they kept three running backs despite the fact that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and... Daryl Williams were both a little bit banged up late in training camp. Mm-hmm. The third running back is Jarek McKinnon, uh, who should be drafted in every, you know, I know you're doing 20 round best balls right now. Mm-hmm. You know, the FFPC main event football guys championship are, are still going on. You know, he should be taken in all those leagues, you know, late, but I mean, he's, he's pretty intrigued. That's a pretty intriguing spot for him to be number three on that depth chart in, in Kansas city. Yep, for sure. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders. What I learned is they love Brian Edwards. I know a lot of people on Twitter love Brian Edwards. The Raiders like Brian Edwards. They let John Brown go. I forget what contract was that they signed John Brown to. But they just let him go, and they're going to roll with Brian Edwards as an every-down player opposite Henry Ruggs. I don't know how that's going to go for them, mainly because I'm not optimistic on Derek Carr having these huge games. But very tough matchup in Week 1, obviously, against the Ravens. But yeah, I, I mean... They like Brian Edwards a lot. Anything for you on the Ravens? I'm Raiders, sorry, on the on yeah. the Raiders. Yeah. Um, no, I just I don't see it between Brian Edwards and Derek Carr. Like Brian Edwards is a big like physical clasher, and Derek Carr is like you know he he, want, he wants everything to be like so he can see it and, and define. Mm-hmm. So um, you know that's why Darren Waller is so good for him because Darren Waller just gets open at will against linebackers and safeties. Um, 
I just think it's going to be the same, same old, same old, lots and lots of Darren Waller, um, a little bit for, uh, you know, a little bit for Brian Edwards, but I just, there, there's a ceiling there with Brian Edwards that I, I, I you know, makes that lessens his intrigue. And then hopefully they can get some more stuff out of, out of Henry Ruggs, throw him some quick, quicker hitters and just not, and not just use him as a decoy because what a waste of a 12th overall pick that would be, especially in a draft class for the, you know, there were guys like Justin Jefferson that went behind Henry, Henry Ruggs. Yeah. Los Angeles Chargers takeaway for me is Josh Palmer won, man. I mean, Josh Palmer was a guy that we talked to Mike Renner about many, many months ago. Josh Palmer is a guy who I thought maybe they they anticipated to be Mike Williams replacement when Mike Williams, mm-hmm. if Mike Williams walks in free agency. But Mike, but Josh Palmer comes out and wins the job, wins the number three job. They let Tyron Johnson go. There's still some competition there. I believe Jalen Guyton is still on the team and they have some other competition there. But Josh Palmer, I think, in three wide receiver sets is going to open for a very aggressive Justin Herbert. So I've been taking a ton of Josh Palmer late in best balls uh, in that like Deami Brown kind of range. I think Josh Palmer fits right in there really nicely. I'm excited to see what he can do. Anything for you on the Chargers? Don't have a ton to, to add to that. Um, the Justin Herbert starts out with real tough matchup against Washington, but then his net, his next three games are all cupcakes. Miami Dolphins. Takeaway for me, man, I like everything the Dolphins are doing. I like their personnel. The offensive line is a major concern. I mean, I think Brandon has them stone cold last, mm. the Miami Dolphins, in his offensive line rankings heading into week one. I'm worried that it's just going to be a total turnstile and two is going to be running for his life a lot. Besides that, though, man, I mean, they're trending up. I thought Jalen Waddle looked pretty good in the preseason. We've talked about how underrated Devontae Parker is. Mike Jasicki looked fine. And obviously the whole running back carousel you know, maybe for real life uh, is okay. In fantasy, I know there's been some rhetoric about Miles Gaskin actually taking over and being, I mean, talent rising to the top with Miles Gaskin essentially at the running back position. What do you think about the Dolphins? Yeah, Cameron Wolf, who covers uh, the Dolphins for, um, I don't know, I think it's, ESPN, I think it's the yeah. Athletic. Oh, okay, okay, ESPN. Yeah, yeah. he he was on uh, on TV the other day saying that Miles Gaskin is clearly the guy it's not going to be a running back committee. You know, it, it definitely looked there for a minute like Malcolm Brown was going to be doing this, the stuff that he did with the Rams where he's in there in pass protection situations, some goal line. Uh, but Cameron Wolf is saying that that's not, that's not going to happen. Um, I think that week one, they're going to struggle offensively just across the board against mm-hmm. New England. But so I, I'm not getting, you know, super excited here, uh, you know, initially. But when they start to face uh, softer opponents, um, I think we'll I think we'll see Miles Gaskin Gaskin be you know a, a sixteen to twenty touch per game guy. Okay, yeah, that's a little bit more op- optimistic than me, but I do think Miles Gaskin is going to be the guy at least on pass downs and a good share of the early down work. I mean, he's just so much better than those other guys. New England Patriots. My takeaway is they're better with Mac Jones. I mean, I'm I, you know you can say that Cam might have won the job if if he didn't get that whatever happened with the COVID thing. He had to be away from the team for five days, but I think they're better with Mac. And obviously every player on their team got a fantasy boost with Mac. I'm excited to see what Mac can do. Dude played really, really well in the preseason. And so I'm much more optimistic on the Jacoby Myers types and the James White types and Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith and all these guys are better off with Mac. And I think the Patriots, quite frankly, are better off with Mac. Anything for you on the Patriots? No, just uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Um, yeah. I, I'm keeping his name in mind because he was so stellar 
in uh, in the preseason. You know, and I was talking to uh, one of my one of my buddies who's an Oklahoma fan, and I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to uh, Oklahoma last year in college football, but he said that when when Ramondre Stevenson went out, like their offense took a not- noticeable drop off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what he showed in the preseason, not only as like a big play rusher, but the dude can also play in the passing game. Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite bench stashes. Yeah, for sure. And with the Sony Michelle trade, obviously he moved mm-hmm. up a spot and anything that happens to Damian Harris now, I mean, Ramondre yeah. is going to have a real big role. Yeah. That Sony Michelle trade, I think was a clear um, show of confidence <laughs> in Ramondre Stevenson. New York Jets. Um, Michael Carter takeaway for me is that like, maybe he's not ready. I mean, some intern put out a depth chart and Michael Carter is like fourth or fifth. I'm not that worried about that. But in the mm-hmm. preseason games, Michael Carter was clearly behind Tevin Coleman, clearly behind Ty Johnson. Will that be the case by the end of the year? I don't think so. But man, I'm got, I've gotten pretty scared on Michael Carter and kind of stopped taking him in the ninth, 10th, 11th. If he makes mm-hmm. it to the 12th or 13th, I start to consider him again. But I'm worried about Michael Carter out of the gate at least. Any other takeaways from the Jets? There's a lot going on with their tight end situation. I mean, they have like no tight ends. There's a lot going mm-hmm. on with their wide receiver situation too. Yeah, they're, um, I just, you know, none of the guys in the backfield are going to be usable, you know, probably for multiple weeks. I don't think until it really shakes out. Ty Johnson is still the guy that I like the best, but I don't know if an NFL team is going to view him as more than, you know, sort of a change of pace, you know, committee back. Um but I don't know this Jamison Crowder situation where he's on COVID. He's questionable mm-hmm. for week one. If he doesn't play, I think Elijah Moore probably gets, you know, full-time slot slot work. Yeah. And that's something we're going to talk about on Friday night for sure, because Elijah Moore is the stone cold minimum 3K on DraftKings in week one. Pittsburgh, you know, I don't know what to say beyond Najee Harris could touch the ball 400 times. I, I don't I don't know what else to say. I mean, that is the clear story. And I think the story is that Pittsburgh's pass rate and their volume was so high last year. If it doesn't sustain, one of Juju, Claypool, and Deontay at least is going to be overdrafted at their current position. So it's kind of a push and pull. I mean, if they're bad again, if they can't run the ball again, they'll chuck it up there again. Ben's going to throw it a ton again. But if they can, and if Najee's successful with all this work, it's going to be tough for all three wideouts, I think, to sustain anything for you on Pittsburgh. No, but this new OC, Matt Canada, um, has like a reputation for running a lot of motion, like pre-snap motion. And like analytics have shown that that can help uh, spark the efficiency of your running game. Uh, So that could be news, uh, good news for uh, Najee Harris. But yeah, it's going to be a struggle, I I still think, you know, behind that offensive line. It just doesn't matter for fantasy um, with all the work this dude's going to get. Last team here before we get out is the Tennessee Titans. We didn't get to see much of the Titans starters, if any, at all. We did get to see Anthony Ferkser may not have the same role that a lot of people thought he would have. Jeff Swaim is going to play plenty. I think Ferkser will still be in there on clear-cut pass downs, but that's not really enough to sustain consistent usage for the Ferk daddy. Any takeaways for you from the Titans? I just want to see if they change their run pass rate a lot this year. Um, you know, they've got Derrick Henry and, and I understand that he is, you know, an absolute stud and led the NFL in rushing in consecutive years, you know, but, you know, now they acquired Julio Jones and um, Julio Jones has been healthy for the last uh, couple of weeks. They've got AJ Brown. 
you know, they've got a solid possession receiver or tight end in Anthony Ferkser. They've got a pretty good third receiver in Josh Reynolds who can make plays downfield. Um, and then Todd Downing's back background, you know, albeit limited, is to skew toward the pass. So, uh, and, and their defense is not going to be good. I mean, they're not going to be – Caleb uh, Fairley, who they drafted, uh, I think it was, what, in the 20s? Uh, you know, obviously their first round pick, he did not win a starting job coming out of camp. He struggled in camp in the preseason. Uh, so that's a disappointment for them. They're, they're going to give up a lot. They gave up a lot of points last year. They're going to continue mm-hmm. to give up a lot of points. Will Todd Downing be willing to stay with the run when they fall behind? Um, or is he going to resort to the pass? I mean, they've got big time weapons outside AJ Brown and Julio Jones. Yeah, one of the highest totals of week one is that Tennessee-Arizona game. We will again be talking about that a ton on Friday. All right, we've said it all. All AFC teams have been covered. We'll be back on Friday night with Wiggins for DFS show. We'll be back on Thursday afternoon for the debut, the premiere of our betting show free on YouTube. For producer Luke, for Evan, I am Adam. Good luck everybody.